every massage was a turn on for me. Wow. Every client, no matter how young, old, or what their body shape was like, or whether I was attracted to them physically or not, I was aroused. It's kind of beautiful. Hey, lovebirds. Today, my life as a former erotic masseur in San Francisco. I am the guest and my friend interviews about what it was like giving massage to women. What does it mean to give sensual massage? What did a session look like? How much did it cost? How did I make people feel safe? Were there horror stories? How does it feel to provide that kind of service on a daily basis to people that are lacking love and affection and touch in their life? Where did this story begin? How did I get the idea? You'll find out all of this. I don't talk about this part of my life very publicly, and I've been holding on to this story because I wanted to release it in a way that made sense. And I always thought that somebody would interview me on another podcast about this. And I got kind of close, actually, to pitching this story. I, I did pitch it to a few podcasts. And I always backed down at the last minute because I guess I wanted to control the story and how it was edited and how it was published and how it was positioned. And I guess the best way to do that is for me to release it on my own podcast. So here it is. My life as an erotic masseur. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Are you ready for me to start asking questions? That's a great way to start. <laughs> I am ready. Okay. Maybe you could tell us what we're doing here today. I am interviewing you about a former life giving sensual massage to women. Oh. Right? <laughs> yeah, that is a thing that I did. Mm hmm. I don't talk about it very often. I allude to it often, but I don't, I don't go into detail. Okay. So let's go all the way back to when did you start? Uh, I started doing erotic massage for women. Gosh, it must be maybe 2015. And gosh, you know what? No, it was earlier than that. I think it was maybe 2014. But the the way it started was sort of this haphazard situation. I was driving a taxi. And that's where the beginning of the love drive, you know, the, the love drive began in the back of a taxi. And that's a, it's a good job, but it's really rough on your body and on my schedule. And after maybe a year of driving... 5 p.m. to 4 a.m., um, four nights a week. I was just really burnt out 
and I was living in the Bay Area, and I realized that I, I thought I maybe wanted to go back to uh, like a tech job because I saw my friends making a lot of money and putting money away towards their retirement and getting new MacBook Airs and getting their lunches paid for. And I thought I kind of wanted that because I was kind of done just like grinding it out in the cab. And so I interviewed at a, at a couple companies and one of them saw what I'd been doing online with the Love Drive, saw the videos that I'd been putting on YouTube and basically said, yeah, we're, there's no way we're going to hire you. You're way too much of a risk. And we get the idea that you're maybe like some sort of a sexual predator Bas- because I was putting out like sex positive videos on the internet. And when that happened, I was pretty devastated. Like really, really bummed out that that's how it went down. And also that that's how I was being perceived. At the same time that this company rejected me, I was accepted into a rape crisis counseling um, hotline training program. So like where one organization saw me as a threat, another one saw me as an asset. But it was a very confusing time in my life. And I didn't know if I should try to like whitewash my online identity and get rid of anything that mentions sex or intimacy or love so that I could be more employable in the future? Or do I just dive into this sex and love thing that I was starting to create for myself? And I spent some time thinking about that, you know, the pros and cons of both of those. I was at a party and my friend said, oh, you know what? You'd just be the best male escort. Why did she say that to you? <laughs> she said it because I'm personable and charming and I could you can bring me to any party and I'll go talk to people and I'm not shy. Easy on the eyes, attractive, silver fox, right. Yeah, all that could make a good escort. You know, somebody that you, you'd, you'd have fun with for a night. And so I started thinking about this idea of, of escorting while I lived in San Francisco. And it's sort of a fantasy. Dude getting paid to go out and have fun and have fancy dinners and please rich women. I love the idea. And then if you start to really dig into it, it just it's not, doesn't really exist. It's a fantasy for a reason because it's not, there's no market for it. Uh, And what I was looking at is straight male companions because I'm a pretty straight guy. And I'm not interested in going out with men or sleeping with men. Um, I've dabbled, but it's just not, it's like not my thing. So there's a market for male escorts, gay male escorts, and there's a market for female escorts. There's no market for straight male companions. That's sort of what they call them. So the idea was like, how was I going to find clients? Like go hang out in fancy hotel bars and strike up conversations like wearing a suit that just sounded like a total nightmare, especially since I like to go to bed early. So it just didn't seem realistic, this idea of escorting and 
then I remember that I had a bunch of friends in San Francisco that no longer live in San Francisco because it's it's they've been priced out. It's too expensive. But friends that did erotic massage for men. So women that gave erotic massages, happy ending massages for men. And I thought to myself, oh, why can't I do that? There must be a market for that. And that is that was the beginning. That was the the impetus to start providing that kind of service. And I, when I had that idea, it was sort of like midnight. I went on Craigslist. I found a massage table, and like by noon the next day, I had I had a table. And so I sort of saw that as like a sign of from the universe <laughs> to give it a shot. Do people know the backstory of the love drive from the back of? taxi cab. I think so. I've talked about it a few times. Um, essentially, the love drive started when I drove a cab in San Francisco and was sort of bored with driving a cab. And my friend said, all my good ideas come from friends, by the way. She said that I should record my conversations with people, with my passengers. And so I did. I put GoPros in the back of the cab and microphones and lights and interviewed people about sex, love and dating and did that for like six or nine months, put all those videos on YouTube. A lot of them are still up. A bunch of really bad ones are, are no longer up. Like I took them down cause I was embarrassed at just like where I began. I mean, it's, it's normal to, to not really do the best work at the beginning, but a lot of it was pretty low hanging fruit. How did you become so interested in, talking about sex, love, and dating? I don't know. It's just a bottomless well of passion for the subject. I couldn't tell you where the curiosity comes from, but it's always been there. And it's something that I've talked to all my friends about. And I don't know, it's just something hard to say where the passion comes from, but it's there. And so I cultivate it because it's the best thing I got going for me. (laughs) I just always am interested in how you became so sex positive that even led to erotic massage being a possibility in your world. Well, I will answer that. I've always been really promiscuous. Less so now, actually significantly. I mean, I'm no longer promiscuous, but just from a really young age, I found myself really wanting to connect with women sexually. That was sort of my main way of connecting. and had a lot of sex, had a lot of lovers, and really, really enjoyed that connection and valued it and prioritized it. I think when I got ready to do massage, this was an extension of that. I've always felt comfortable creating safe spaces with women and connecting in a sexual way. So this just felt like a natural progression of that. So you bought a massage table on Craigslist. What happened next? Uh, I reached out to those to my friends, the the sex workers that that gave erotic massages to men, and I invited them over to show me some to give me like some tips and tricks, and to talk to me about how the session unfolds and what could be included in a session, and and sort of just got more comfortable with the dynamics of what that would look like, and then because I didn't really have any formal massage training, I didn't want to hurt anybody. That was one of my sort of my big fears is that I would somehow massage someone in a way that would 
injure them because when you're working with people, you're working with their injuries and their bodies. So I went to Esalen and did a weekend workshop and learned a little bit, sort of a primer on the Esalen massage, which is an Esalen for those of you who don't know is, is sort of a new agey, yummy, big sur retreat yoga place hot spring on the cliffs so it's it's nice it's really nice and they have a, their signature massage is just really slow with long broad slow strokes and so i went to the this retreat just to get some competency around massaging bodies and you know obviously when you're giving an erotic massage it's 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 a happy ending, not the whole thing. The whole thing isn't erotic. You have to build up to it. And so I really wanted to get competent in the build-up portion because I had a feeling that it was probably going to be fairly similar to a women's arousal. Like you don't just go straight for penetration in the first minute. You have to build up to it. And so I really wanted to get comfortable with that portion of the massage. I figured that the happy ending part, I had had enough practice in. I think at the when I was doing massage, I'm 37 now, I was like 31 years old. So I'd had like 15 years of experience of, of connecting sexually with women. So I wasn't concerned about that, but it was the, the buildup and the transition and how to, how to transition out of that space that was also a little confusing. So were you confident in your ability to give women orgasms? Fairly? Knowing okay. that all women are different? And that it's a little bit like solving a Rubik's Cube every time. So I felt fairly confident that I could provide a, an experience that was exciting. And also knowing that the orgasm is not the goal of sex and not every woman can, can climax. So just knowing that makes it easier for me to sort of relax into the experience and know that I don't have to make every woman orgasm. That wasn't the goal. And for a lot of my clients, that wasn't their goal either. The, the next step after that was to invite people for massages, like free massages for me to like figure out what the whole system would look like, right? The whole process from intake to massage to outtake, the whole thing. And so I invited women that I'd met on OkCupid. I told them what I was doing and invited them for a massage and most said no and a few said yes and that's how i started to get more comfortable with the whole massage process wow had you ever had an erotic massage yourself oh that's a good question i don't think i had i hadn't at the time i definitely did some exchanges after with um, female providers and then have definitely since then enjoyed erotic massages like in thailand but but not at that time. I don't think I ever had. It's interesting to me because it's like you were creating something that you didn't really have any experience in. The massage part, you had never received an erotic massage. You just created it. I mean, today I'm launching my group coaching program and I've never attended a group coaching program. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, perhaps this is just an extension of of who I am. You know, like I, I don't mind creating stuff, even though I've never 
done them before. I learned through experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so you were on OkCupid. Okay you were talking with women and inviting them for a free massage. Um, yeah. How many of those do you think that you did? Oh, I don't know. Probably a handful of them. Okay. And then when did you decide it was time to actually create this? <laughs> well, first I built a website, a really like a really simple three-page website. <laughs> I think the 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 oh Mr. Sean.com. <laughs> <laughs> Does it still exist? <laughs> People are gonna search for that now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Mr. Sean, but I had spelled it S-E-A-N because I, I wanted it to be like different than how I normally spell my name. Um, and the joke there is that like, oh, so the FBI wouldn't catch me, you know, because I changed the way I spell my name. <laughs> so three three pages uh, with... It was the most explicitly vague website or vaguely explicit. And when you read it, it didn't say anything about happy ending or that there was going to be orgasm. But after reading it, you were pretty sure that I was going to touch your pussy. That's what you would walk away with. And the website also included a lot of... It was just really clear in terms of what I was offering without being explicit. And what my modalities were and what I was available for and what kind of experience you could expect. Because I wanted people to feel safe from the get-go. And then I had a frequently asked questions with a whole bunch of questions. And I tried to answer every question that I, that I thought people would ask. And then when people would ask me new questions, I would add them. So you kind of got a really a safe feeling from the whole experience. Did you have photos of yourself? I did, but they were, they were outtakes of a photo shoot that I had done where you couldn't see my face. Huh. Yeah, it was, yeah, because I, I didn't, you know... I, it's, it's, yeah, it's prostitution. So I didn't want, I didn't want to make it easy for anybody to, to catch me doing something illegal. So I set up the website and then the next step was to advertise. And I found all my clients on Craigslist when Craigslist still had, um, what was it? No strings attached section. Oh, Are they, oh and casual encounters, all that, all the Craigslist personals is gone now because of because basically people were using it for what I was using it for. And I posted in uh, on Craigslist, erotic massage, sensual massage for women. I posted in, um, I think, men seeking women, because I what my thought process was that women were going to look for a date on Craigslist, like a sex date. And some of them would be comfortable with that and others would be, wouldn't be that comfortable, but they were really curious because they, for whatever reason, hadn't had sex in a while. And then the idea was that they would find my post and they would go, oh, wait, here's somebody offering something that is clean, transactional, uh, lasts 90 minutes. There's no awkward uh, drinks beforehand. There's no sloppy, weird goodbye. This is probably going to be a nice experience that I can pay for and feel really good about. So that was the the idea was I was hoping that to attract the kind of woman that wanted to have a sensual experience but didn't necessarily wanted to to roll the dice with meeting some some guys at a bar. And it worked. Did you know any women who had used Craigslist to look for those services? 
Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't come to my mind that to advertise there, like, were you worried about the types of people that were going to message you? No, I figured that I'd be able to see if they were a good fit via email based on how they communicated. I mean, it's sort of like online dating. You know, when you get a really nice message from someone on a dating site that's well-written and grammatically correct and uh, can express their desires and nuance, then you feel pretty good about them as a person rather than when you receive like a one-liner that's misspelled and unclear with no punctuation, you get kind of a not a not not so great a feeling. So I figured that if I was explicit and communicative in my communications, hopefully they would be as well. And that would that'd be a good starting point for us to figure out if it's a good fit. Okay. So Craigslist post goes up. How long until you got an email? Oh I don't I I I was Posting constantly from the the time I began. I mean, you have to just like just renew your post every three days or whatever. So I had, I think I had two posts and I would change them up a little bit every now and then and add photos of the massage table and candle lit room and that kind of (laughs) stuff. I don't think it took very long. And I think I got my first massage within a couple days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I charged 75 bucks. And I think it was an okay massage. Wasn't great. $75 $75 for how long? For 90 minutes. That is cheaper than a massage anywhere else. <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. good deal. <laughs> yeah, pretty good deal. Also, you know, that's how I start things when I don't know if I'm any good at it. I offer a low price point and see who bites. And slowly and surely, I got more massages. I got more comfortable at it. I got better at it. I got more feedback. Uh, I got more repeat clients and I started raising my rates. Okay. So talk to me about the process of someone sending you an email and saying they're intrigued, they're interested, they want to better understand what's happening. What what did you do next? How did you build this relationship with them to get them to book an appointment? So you can't put links in a Craigslist personal ad. It gets flagged immediately. So I couldn't link them to my website. So when they would email me, I would say, thanks so much for reaching out. Go here to find out more about this service. I put a whole website together that explains exactly what is on offer. And I ask for a suggested donation of, and then I would put the dollar amount of whatever I was charging at the time. And that would get them interested. And then it would get them on my website. And then they would find out more about it. And then they would book, book an appointment or not. They, some of them would disappear. Some of them would have to think about it or some of them, you know, it wasn't what they were expecting. They were maybe expecting a free massage. And that was sort of the process. So it was just like emailing people, sending them to my website and then some back and forth on scheduling. Did you meet with them before the appointment? I think I did once and realized that that was a huge waste of time and totally not logistically possible for me to meet with everybody before and just decided to work with people that that were ready to just move forward without having met me. So where did you give massages? At my home in San Francisco. Is it that risky? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's it was certainly very convenient for me. I mean, I've worked <laughs> worked from home for a long time now and 
Um, I just converted my living room. I, I was able to like quickly deploy and turn my regular living room into a really lovely massage studio. And I was able to close doors in my house in such a way that it was a very private space. And I lived alone. Um, and you had access to the the bathroom and the main room without actually seeing what else was what the rest of the house looked like. So it kind of had a little massage massage studio kind of feel to it. People would ring the doorbell and I'd open the door and you know say it was really nice to see them and ask them if they wanted a hug and most of them did and and then I would you know welcome them into my home. Okay, so once someone's in your home, was it like all right, get on the table. Let's start. Let's do this. Or did you talk to people? Did you want to better understand why they were there? It's funny you should ask. Um, yeah, I'd invite them into the living room and there's a big couch and I had already the tables ready. I had sort of spritzed it with some lavender spray. I had probably some Palo Santo burning. I had some really soft music playing. I had made some tea, probably chamomile, so to like relax. And so I would offer offer them to have a seat on the couch and for us to have some tea together before we got started. And I would work on making them feel comfortable because I figured that the whole experience had to be safe and comforting from the very get-go. And also, I wanted to be able to answer any questions that they might have to allow their nervous system to relax and to remove some of that anxiety that a lot of my clients had at the very beginning, for sure. Almost all of them were nervous in some way. And so I would ask them, what made them reach out? What is exciting about the potential of getting this kind of treatment? what they're hoping to get out of the experience, what would disappoint them. And then we were able to, to like connect and I was able to answer any questions they might have and create an atmosphere of trust and intimacy. And I would explain to them that they were in charge, that this, was, this service was for them, that I would check, with, check in with them at every step of the way. So I tried to really set a really safe container with some ground rules that made everything very, very transparent. For me, transparency equals safety, and safety allows people to relax. I think that the obvious next question is, once they're comfortable uh, and they feel safe in the space, what happened? What is an erotic massage? I would invite them, I'd ask them if they were ready. And if they said yes, I'd, I'd invite them to start to get undressed to at whatever level of undress was comfortable for them. And I would say that most of my clients go fully naked. And I'd have to say that like 95% of them took all their clothes off. And I would say, you know, get, get naked, start face down. I'll give you some privacy and I'll be back in a few minutes. And then when I came back, we would start the massage, which usually for me started with a lot of like grounding, a head head massage, and slowly, you know, like slowly getting used to this new body and for this new body to get used to my hands. I'd start with the with the blankets all the way on, 
you know, and sort of lots of pressure and slow strokes and then slowly start massaging the back without, without the, um, the sheet and using sort of an Esalen style massage, which is a, a lot of oil and a lot of slow, broad strokes and basically start moving energy and start eventually after maybe 20 minutes of massage moving into more erotic types of touch a lot of like stroking towards the genitals to like kind of move the energy and the blood flow to that area a lot of suggestive moves um, never touching the genitals until much later into the into the massage right so basically the equivalent of massage foreplay and let's say the client was with me for 90 minutes. Let's say 70 minutes of those were massage. I probably wouldn't get into anything actually like genital contact until at least 40 minutes or 45 minutes into the massage. Let's build it up and let's make it as exciting as possible. And that was always sort of my experience like pleasuring women was go slow and take your time. So I just sort of applied what I, what had worked for me in the past to this massage. Um, and then the massage would get more erotic. You know, I'd, I'd use sort of my, my chest to like rub up on their back. And it's really hard to describe, but there was a lot of getting really close to the genitals and then backing off and um, very suggestive moves. And, you know, what, maybe what you and a really passionate sensual lover would do, you know, in bed, but without actual penetration. So that kind of contact, a lot of like full body contact and a lot of, of physical intimacy and closeness that you probably wouldn't ever expect from a stranger. Were you naked? At first, I wasn't. At first, I'd keep my pants on because I thought that that would make it more professional. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember getting like a nice pair of black pants because I, like, I didn't want to look like a massage therapist, you know? Um, like dress pants? Like slacks? <laughs> they were, uh, what's that store that sells only black clothing in, um, in Union Square? Uh, all saints. Oh. <laughs> you do have an idea, right? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. They weren't slacks, but they weren't jeans, right? They were like soft black pants, but still kind of had some structure to them. And no belt. And so I started the massage that way. But then at some point, I realized that it's like way more exciting for me as well if I'm naked. Turns out way more exciting for them as well. And so. I started saying uh, during the intake process, you know, I often massage with my pants off if that's something that's comfortable to you or for you. Do you have a preference? And most of my clients were like, yeah, I'd really like you to have your pants off. So, and a few of them were like, actually, I'd really like you to keep them on because that way in my mind, I can store this experience as uh, a regular massage and not anything else. And that helps me with maybe because they were like probably still in a relationship. So yeah, once I started to take my pants off, the massages got 
even more erotic. <laughs> okay. What was erotic about the massage? Uh, beyond the sensual, slow touching, what happened next? Well, at one point, I would, uh, I'd be, I'd get so close to, like my client's vulva, and her breasts, and I would sort of hover my hand around that area, and I and I would sort of lean in, and I would whisper, "Would you like me to continue?" And they said yes, and then I would, I would basically stimulate their vulva in a variety of different ways that sometimes led to an orgasm and sometimes not. But I mean, that's, that's the happy ending part of the massage. You know, like if you think of a happy ending massage for a man, it's like it's massage, 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 and then you jerk them off and it's over. Sort of the same formula, but for a woman, which I think... I think I had to allow for more time because I think men can come easier and it's more mechanical and pretty, it's just more straightforward. So I allowed for more time for orgasm to happen if it was going to happen. And yeah, just a variety of different touches that, that would stimulate and arouse my clients. Did you only use your hands? I did. Yeah. That was, I would tell them that that I was only going to use my hands. Although I use my mouth on breasts because I really like that and they did too. But there was never any oral sex and there was never any penetration. There was one exception to that. We can talk about that later. But for the most part, like 99% of all massages were digital stimulation only. Did you offer to use other toys or anything else on women if they needed that or wanted that? No. Okay. I didn't want it to be sexual in that way. Like I wanted it to be one person touching another without incorporating toys. Did you ever have someone ask you to stop? No. Well, sort of. So one woman was also an erotic masseur. And she thought she wanted a massage, but really what she wanted was for me to wrap her up into a burrito with all of my blankets and to lay on her body, like just put my weight on her body for 40 minutes um, and just talk. So that's what she wanted. So at some point, as the massage was coming along, she she sort of shifted her desire. And so we just like made that happen. And another person, another client that I had um, was experiencing either vulvodynia or vaginismus. So a lot of painful penetration. And the the goal of the massage was to see if we could work through some of that in like a really, really slow, gentle way. And we weren't able to. So I think at one point she was like, Yeah, this doesn't, this feels like it normally feels and and I don't and I don't like it. So we stopped. Okay. So generally everyone loved the experience. That seems to be the feedback that I got at, <laughs> at the end of the end of the massage. Yeah. Did you allow people to customize the experience or were you really saying, I am here to provide a service to you? I just want you to be present and accept it. The former. Okay. 
this is for you. When, when I got naked, I would, I would tell people, I would say, look, this service is for you. If at some point you feel the need to touch me, grab my butt or my back or my thigh because you need to be grounded because it's really hard to receive for any length of time, then I invite you to. But please remember that this is not about me and my pleasure. The service is for you. And so forget performing or pleasing me in in any way, shape, or form and just please try to receive. But I don't think there was any customization necessary. Just the experience itself was exciting enough that people could just relax into it and see what happens. Were you turned on during massages? I was turned on during every single massage I've ever given. Every massage was a turn on for me. Wow. Every client, no matter how young, old, or what their body shape was like, or whether I was attracted to them physically or not, I was aroused all the time. It's kind of beautiful. <laughs> it, beyond the arousal part of it, it's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was really beautiful. And hmm. you know, it started doing the massage because someone told me it might be a good idea and then I got excited about it. And it was definitely also a better way of making money than driving a taxi. Um, I was self-supported through through all those massages and the 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 reason for starting it wasn't incredibly virtuous. It was just like, oh, I want to see if I can make this thing happen. I think it'd be great to offer the service. But the more I did it, the more I realized that I was feeling a need of providing touch and love and affection to women who don't have it in their life for whatever reason. A lot of my clients were either divorced or widowed or in sexless marriages or for a variety of reasons hadn't been in contact with another person sexually or intimately in a long time. And the massages, be- they became very healing for my clients and also I think they became healing for me. Um, when I massaged, I tried to pour as much love as I could into the massages and onto their body. Um, yeah, it was it was very healing. I think it was healing for me as I started to maybe unpack a lot of the shame that I have around being a sexual person and and I think it was healing for them to be in the presence of um, just like a really loving presence that wanted nothing but but pleasure and, and affection and care. And yeah, it became they, they became more beautiful and more tender. And a lot of my clients cried, but probably maybe like a third of them, maybe even more. During, after? During, after, yeah. Did you talk to clients after the experience to talk about how it made them feel? I offered, I said, this can be a touching experience and it can, it can bring up a lot of 
confusion and emotions. And so I invite you to contact me if at any point you feel the need to. I'm available to talk, to to connect on on what's going on for you. And some people took me up on that and a lot of people didn't. Did you have any experiences where women suddenly felt attached to you or wanted to develop something deeper with you? Maybe twice with two different, yeah, two different clients started developing feelings and we had to explore it. And I think with one of them, I met them and we, we like had coffee and talked about it and decided that it was best to discontinue like our professional relationship and our relationship completely because I wasn't available to date anybody that I was working with. I wasn't interested and I wasn't available. So yeah, I think some people developed feelings and of those that I know, we, we talked it out and worked it out. And, you know, we also realized that they weren't really attaching to me, but probably more of what I represented for them because we didn't, you know, they don't, they don't know me. We didn't, we talked for like five minutes before the massage. So there it's the attachment isn't to me. It's, it's to, it's to what I represent to them. Did you have repeat clients? Not as many as I thought I would. Why do you think? I'm not sure. I think, I think it filled the need of having a exciting sexual encounter. And mm, I think the service that I provided scratched an itch. Maybe it had been a while since they'd been sexual with anybody or maybe they were coming off of a divorce and they needed sort of a transition to get back into dating and maybe meeting a more consistent partner that doesn't charge them money to see them. Hmm. Yeah, I never didn't really think too much about it, but I was surprised. I thought there'd be more repeat customers because my friends, my female friend, erotic masseurs, masseuses, have a ton of repeat customers. Most of their client base is repeat repeat customers. Did you ever have any angry husbands or boyfriends show up at your house? No, but I did have a few boyfriends and husbands drop their their wives off and wait outside in the car. Huh. Yeah. I also had quite a few husbands asking if they could watch. <laughs> did you ever allow that? No way. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I just wasn't I wasn't into it. I just I don't it's not a for me it wasn't a performance and i just i don't know i mean that just sounds risky to me mm. i did have a client once that no showed and then she sent me a text message and she said oh my god when i pulled up at your house i realized that i am friends with your upstairs neighbors <laughs> <laughs> she said she said she was going to pay me and I was like, oh, good. Just send me a gift certificate to your favorite restaurant. And then she never, she never replied. <laughs> it was awesome. 
what was the worst experience for you? Uh, there was just one, one in particular, this woman from Texas, and she was just, she was just not happy in general. And so she wasn't happy with an, anything. Wasn't happy with the, the, the fact that I couldn't make the room darker. Um, halfway through the massage, the cleaners were upstairs and in my neighbor's apartment and they were vacuuming right above the massage room. And so it like sounded terrible. Like it was super distracting and it was just not a great service. She, she looked at me, she was like, I'm going to pretend like that's not happening. And it was awkward and clumsy and just not great. And so that's like, that's pretty much the worst story is is that and so everything else is like pretty benign nothing really traumatic happened while i was doing this did you continue to get all of your clients through craigslist or did you start getting referrals and word of mouth i think i might have gotten a couple referrals but most of my clients came from craigslist i i also only did this for 9 months so maybe a year at the most it was not. I don't know if it was enough enough time to start really building up a reputation. Not like the dude in New York. There's a guy in New York that's been doing it forever. His name's Doctor M. Hmm. Did you ever talk to Doctor M? No, but I looked at his website a lot to like try to figure out if I wanted to model anything that I did on him, and I didn't at all. He's he's got a bit of a creep factor going on. I think he shows up in a lab coat also. Because <laughs> that sounds. Um... <laughs> like a turn on. Maybe it is a turn on. For somebody. I feel like I want to know the types of women that came to you. I mean, how do I answer that question? Why were women coming to you? Hmm. Well, what prompted you to come and get a massage from me all those years ago? how did we meet where does the story begin uh let's see i found you on craigslist that's right lovebirds next week I interview my past client about her experience receiving an erotic massage and the transformation that came as a result of that massage. And as always, thank you for spending this time with me this week. It means the world to me. And I've put together a book list that I'd like to offer you. And in that book list are a few books that I used when I was honing my skills as an erotic masseur that could come in handy for you if you want to be more in tune touching bodies. That book list is available for you. It's free and it lives on my website. Go to thelovedrive.com forward slash book list and you will get these books and more. Basically, every book that has been transformational for me in my life resides on that book list. So enjoy. And also in November, coming up, a group coaching program for 12 people where you and me and 11 other people 
We'll explore what it means to be emotionally available. We will cultivate our emotional availability. We will identify what makes people unavailable. And we will consciously make decisions to choose available people. This group program starts November 7th, and it's open for 12 people. If you want to learn more about it, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash be more open. And to the 12 people that are joining this group, I look forward to meeting you. And as always, have a beautiful week.